welcome, welcome. Uh, Legally Speaking has come to order. I'm joined in the studio by attorneys from the firm of Beatrice Kopp and Harshman. I'm joined by Carl Moses. He's uh, Pennsylvania's best. And also uh, Mark DeVecchio, attorney Mark DeVecchio. Hello, sir. How are you, Mo? I can't see you for that screen. Yeah, we're blocked. I can't see you. But I know you're there. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) It's all good, sir. And we're here to answer legal questions for the callers. And they can give us a call at 330-729-9977. And you're kind of taking Dave's place in more ways than one. You're going to be doing a little television tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, Friday on uh, the morning show on WFMJ. I'm going to take his place. We're going to talk some uh, Ohio protest laws. Oh, very interesting because I got a feeling there's more. In fact, I participated in a protest last Saturday, so it was very nice. It was, uh, what was as that? Long as long as you, you have a, a constitutional right to peaceful assembly. So Right, and it was, was peaceful, and, that, and that's what people need to remember because I see some people getting out of hand. I don't want to, you know, like this, on, the, on the left, the Antifa, Antifa types, and then the, some more radical people on the right. We don't need that. But yes, I think our founding fathers gave us that right. Uh, Absolutely. And it's been used since we've since our founding fathers were here. I mean, you think of the changes and the woman's right to vote and all just all the things that have changed throughout the years. If it wasn't for our right to to have peaceful assembly, we might not have those changes. Well, speaking of which, I don't want to get into that show tomorrow too much. But right? I, don't I can't? I don't want to give my whole. Okay. Well, I, well can you, <laughs> what about the Statue of Liberty yesterday? Can you talk about that, or is that part of what? Well, I, I got to save some stuff for okay. tomorrow. All I right, let's I save that then. Let's save that. A little suspense, folks. Yes. So tomorrow morning on WFMJ Today, you can check out Mark DeVecchio answering your legal Thank questions. Thank you, Mo. I, isn't that called legal, legally speaking legally, as well? Yeah, I believe it is. Okay, I what believe a coincidence. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, gentlemen, what's going on in the world of law? We're just doing the best we can as officers of the court to protect everyone's rights. In my case, I try to do what I can to make sure uh, p- families that are in crisis, they have equitable resolutions and that we protect the best interest of children. And that, yes, and, that, and in, in my line, <clears throat> I attempt to do the best I can to protect the rights of people who've been injured and give them some relief by way of money damages. Uh, as I think I've said before, when people sometimes criticize that, I say, well, in our society, we don't go out with a baseball bat and hit somebody over the head who rear-ended us. Instead, we're a civil society, and so the only way of compensating somebody with some relief is by way of money damages. And so there's nothing wrong with that. That is perfectly proper. That's a constitutional right. And uh, you have a right to a jury trial. And, and, you know, speaking of that, I mean, of course, in anything, there's somebody out there who might abuse it. But for the most part, you you are, and I'm not, I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about maybe some clients that you might have, you know, in your years of doing this, you know, do you ever get a client, you just kind of, what happens when you get somebody, you just feel like, is this? I, I'm very upfront. Okay. And, and sometimes that aggravates a client. But if I feel that uh, something is not being appropriately put forth, I'll, I'll say it to that person's face. And quite frankly, a jury uh, is unique in the sense of uh, seeing through maybe a person who is fabricating or attempting to fabricate. Yeah, back in the day, you know what? Interesting you bring that point up because when I started my practice all those years ago, 
Personal injury law has never been easy, but I believe it was much easier when I started practicing law because they would pretty much look at your total expenses, what your medical bills are, and there was usually some kind of a formula they would use. I, you know, I would I would always try to multiply it by three to five, and you know that's where you know where, where a fair settlement was, and I'd get a lot of cases settled pretty quickly. But because of some of those abuses, Mo, where people are puffing their injuries or maybe stretching them not longer than they they need to, or you know, maybe shouldn't have the kind of cast, catastrophic injury associated with a low-speed, low-impact accident. Now, insurance companies are making you fight a lot harder to get fair uh, compensation, and you know that's and, and the juries sometimes they, they they don't give you as much. Well, not only that, but the legislature also. Oh, with the tort laws, reform, laws have changed dramatically since the time that I started practicing, as you said. Uh, your medical expenses, you could recover easily plus an additional sum of money for pain, suffering, inconvenience, loss of life's pleasures. But now, at least in Pennsylvania, we have uh, uh, first-party benefits, which means no-fault medical coverage on everybody's policy of at least $5,000. And if that pays then the lawyer or the client is not permitted to plead that in a jury trial. So many times you go into a jury trial Hmm. with nothing to put on the blackboard, and all you can argue is pain, suffering, inconvenience, loss of life's pleasures. So-called punitive damages? Ask a jury to award for that. Well, not punitive damages. In a personal injury case, it's it's compensatory. You're being compensated for your pain. Punitive is punishing somebody for doing something wrong. Theoretically, there can be a punitive damage uh, element in in a civil case. For example, if somebody is under the influence of alcohol, for example, and is driving recklessly, that is a possibility that can, there can be a punitive count in that complaint also, yes. Well, you have to show that their conduct is willful yes. and wanton, meaning that you, in your right mind, you should know by doing this, someone's going to get hurt, and you right. do it any, anyway, like driving 100 miles an hour blindfold on 680. You well, know? in fact, there was a guy, I don't know, I, that wasn't here, but recently there was a guy, he was just, the lady said she, she heard mailboxes going down. This guy was doing like 60, pop, 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 knocking mailboxes down, and he eventually killed a woman in the process. Oh, so, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a big but, that's a big case. We've got a call, gentlemen, so let's go All to right, the phones. And the go. number, by the way, 330-729-9977. Phil is up. He's got a question. Go ahead, Phil. Okay, two uh, two situations, and I know you don't want to talk about tomorrow, but the protests in Pittsburgh. All right, you got people blocking roadways. People have to go to work. People have to go wherever they have to go. You have people protesting in Pittsburgh, blocking bridges, blocking yeah. roads. That and is that's, pro- one, that's one scenario. The flip side of that, you got the Statue of Liberty. I paid $100 for my family to take the ferry over to there. Mm-hmm. Now they have to vacate the Statue of Liberty because of some jackass. Would I get in trouble if I grabbed him and threw him off the Statue of Liberty into the, <laughs> into the water? Or if people would, wouldn't move in Pittsburgh if I ran them over? Well, well, two things. Let me let me discuss both situations. First, uh, the Statue of Liberty situation was that that happened yesterday. 
Right. Yes. Okay. I I was in trial all day today, so I didn't I didn't hear anything about it. So um, I'll withhold. Let me. I'm going to have to look into that. Secondly, as far as blocking streets and roadways and things like that, that is not protected under the First Amendment. That is not peaceful assembly. Once you are blocking roadways, typically you have to request a permit. Um, you, you know, those those situations where you're blocking things or you're inciting violence or you're doing stuff like that, that's not protected speech and that's not protected. You have no right to that under the Constitution. So um, where you know there's going to be a number of people demonstrating, where the crowd's going to be large, you have to apply for a permit. That's the uh, how the government kind of restricts when and where you could do this. So um, the only time you really don't have to apply for a permit is when you're protesting something that was relatively immediate, that's an, an immediate response to something. But would I get in trouble if I kept edging my car, edging my car, get out of my way, I got to get where I'm going. Yeah, if you and cause... Somebody get, and somebody gets hurt, am yeah, I liable? Yes, yes, I would say you are liable. Absolutely. Now, they're... they're uh, they were contributory to getting hurt because they were doing something that they weren't supposed to do. But you can't just take the law into your own hands and run they somebody did. over. Why can't I? Well, because they That's... understand that they kind of they overstepped the bounds of their First Amendment right. Okay, but you can't take the initiative to cause physical injury to someone that does that. Two wrongs. Are... Two wrongs don't make a right. I know two wrongs yeah. don't make a right, but I'm tired of all this protest. And all this bull crap going on in in this yeah. country because people, civil people, are going to reach a climax sooner or later, and all hell is going to is going to break loose. It's a matter of time. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate. Well, yeah. Your call. It, it, listen, the, the bottom line is relative to protest. I'm not saying I'm I'm for or against pro or con. I'm just explaining the nuances of protest and what and you I need to know. That. Yes, I, do. I appreciate hey. that. You you guys do you guys do a great job. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll just say to his point, by the way, I and this is this has upset me. I know uh, during the, when the Black Lives Matter movement first started up, some of those people were getting in the street and all that. That's not what it should be. I agree with you, and I'm just saying that as a commentator. Yeah. If you look at how the the Martin Luther King and some of those people handled their things, if they had a permit to w- walk across a bridge, absolutely, or what, but they didn't walk across that bridge during rush hour traffic. Right. Exactly. And it was little, planned. Those were planned out. Yeah. Those marches were planned out in advance, well in advance, because they were attended by celebrities and mm-hmm. they were. Like-minded people from all over the country got together on a lot of those. So um, the the government could regulate it by time, place, and manner, okay? They could put those restrictions on your right to free speech and your right to assemble. So when you know there's a situation where you're going to be blocking streets, you're going you're gonna to have co- cause problems with traffic access, uh, there's going to be a number of people there. You, you work it out in advance. You get a permit. You put everyone on notice. These streets are going to be closed from this time to this time for a peaceful demonstration. Although I will say, uh, I I don't think he was exactly being tongue in cheek when he talked about possibly running somebody over, and I find that disturbing. Now, what, because, ha- what, ha- what did, a guy was on the the Statue of Liberty on the Fourth of July. Well, there was a number of people, a and a woman made it all the way to her feet. I, I think she was going to give her a man a pedicure. No, I'm just joking. But actually, she got all the way to the statue's feet, and they ended up taking. But so all these families and whoever came out, hey, we're going to the Statue of Liberty. They had to vacate the wow. premises. Wow, so hundred. She went about a hundred feet high, and they was finally, she climbing up the outside of the? Yes. You got to see the video. You All right, I'm, I'm as soon as we're off the air, I got to check it out. They, they did arrest her and charge her with trespassing, uh, obviously. Wow. And she did fight a little, so she got something else for kind of yeah. That's and, and also in regard to a car 
going through a crowd. Mm -hmm. I believe I just saw it on TV. I think it was last night in Pittsburgh in one of those uh, protests. Mm -hmm. A car did hit some people just putting the foot on the gas, not fast, but he was going fast enough that he injured people. And he was charged also. Oh, absolutely. So, That's so that, intentional that, conduct. Yeah, but like I said, yeah. people just need to. This is why the breakdown of education, all that. Well, okay, you can protest, but this is how we do it, right. folks. And you right. don't just walk out in the middle and of the And understand street. that when you are protesting, if you do break a law and you get arrested, there's there's a way to handle it then as well. So th- that's all going to go into tomorrow. Okay, well, let's go into today. So tune in. Uh, we're coming up on a break, but I think we got time to at least start a call. And up next is uh, Frank. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, uh, I had a question pertaining to short-term disability and car insurance. Okay. I, I was in a car accident, and uh, I have a car insurance where it pays me $2,500 a month for my lost wages. And I also have a short-term disability where I work at for, like, another $380. Now, that insurance company from where I work is expecting me to sign a release saying that I'll pay them back everything that they pay me. Do I have any recourse here? It depends on the policy that you have. In other words, again, I've referred to this often, you've got to look at the written document first. Many insurance policies have subrogation reimbursement clauses so that those clauses basically say that if you recover from a wrongdoer and the disability company or insurance company, health insurance, pays bills, you have to pay back out of that recovery from the wrongdoer, the at-fault party. You have to pay back the health insurance or the disability company. But it depends on the policy. Some policies do not have that, and uh, you have to look at the policy. That's the bottom line. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Good luck, Frank. Good luck to you, sir. Okay, coming up on break time, so we'll take a minute here before we take the next. Oh, there's no break to the bottom. I'm learning. See, it's been a while since I've Dave, listened. Dave, you sent hand signals back there. No, there we go. I normally don't listen during these hours. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back to, uh, let's take another call, and we will have, uh, let's see, coming up next is uh, Grant. Hello, Grant. Hello, Grant. Good, good evening, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, I have a question about APA probation. Uh my conviction was in 2012. I got a judicial release in 2014, I believe, completed some uh, a program, uh, and I was put on five years uh, probation. Um, I, my calculations may be wrong, but I, I, I'm coming up, I think, on three and a half years or so, three years. Okay. Uh, uh, is there a way that I can uh, file pro se? Uh, to be released from probation a little bit uh, sooner. Because as of right now, I'm on uh, a bi-monthly call-in, and I continue to ask the person, uh, is there any way that, you know, good behavior, I'd be able to get off early, and well, understand kind of brushes it off. That's up to the sentencing judge and the prosecutor and your probation officer, okay? When you say, can I file something pro se, yeah, you could pretty much file anything you want pro se. Uh, but then you have to go in and argue it before the judge, and you have to give the judge reasons why 
it's fair and right that you have your probation terminated. Even though the judge sentenced you to five years probation earlier when he passed his sentence, you're going to go back before that judge saying, listen, I would like you to terminate my probation early. Among the things that you would bring up is that you've complied with all the terms of your probation, that you've done everything that the court required you to do, that you've paid all fines and court costs, uh, that you've been rehabilitated, and I guess they'd look at your criminal record, and if you could point to some factors that, like, you've only been convicted of one other crime or you have no other criminal record, and then shows the hardship that the probation is having, you might have a, a legitimate argument. The judge may consider it. I may add to that, too, that my experience has been with uh, people who file something pro se, sometimes just a letter to the judge itemizing everything that Mark has just indicated to you and uh, trying to impress the judge. Sometimes that would work alone. I, I don't, I'm not saying that this has happened in my experience with criminal cases, but it's happened in other types of cases, such as, um, well, let me just put it this way. It, it's happened in other cases, and if the judge did not want to do it just based on your letter, the judge could simply enter an order based on your letter to schedule to schedule a hearing where you would appear and explain in person. So I think it can be done either way. You can pro se do a petition yourself, or you can, obviously you're not a lawyer, so perhaps you can in your letter say, I, I really am not trained, so therefore I'm doing this by letter and uh, set forth all the factors in the letter. Good luck. But you also grant, yeah, I, I would definitely file some kind of a motion. The one that I've gotten probations terminated early, but there were always legitimate reasons logistically involved, like someone was moving from one state to another state. So, you know, they just put some thought behind it, and I wish you the best of luck. It also depends on what your, your crime was, what you pled to. So, uh, the judge, the judge may be leaving the bench, and I, I, I figured that might be a factor in order to, you know, he knows me. You know, he knows my face. Possibly, I, I haven't seen him in you know three or four or five years. Well, then I'd I'd file the motion as soon as possible to get before Thank this you. judge before he vacates because Thank he'll have the history. Much. Good luck. Bye. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right, still time for another. And by the way, the number here is three three zero. I can't read my own writing here. 330-729-9977. Uh, this is Legally Speaking. I'm joined in studio by Mark DeVecchio and Carl Moses. They are with uh, with Beatrice, Cop and Harshman, the legal firm, and they will answer your questions. Up next is Chris. He's got a question. Go ahead, Chris. Hi. I live in uh, Pennsylvania in an apartment complex with security cameras. Uh, my vehicle was vandalized, and I gave them an approximate time where I thought that the vandalism was done. The guy that's in charge of security ran, supposedly observed the cameras and told me he didn't find anything. When I told him to run the cameras backwards from the time I said it happened, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to do it. Is there any legal action I can take against him to make him watch the cameras? Well, I, I guess you could uh, file some kind of a negligence lawsuit against the uh, your landlord. You know, if it's a secured building, I mean that this is and this is your area, Carl. So no, I, 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 would. I agree with you, Mark. Uh, by the mere fact that the landlord has put up a security camera, the argument would be that the landlord has a duty right 
to make sure it's monitored appropriately. And if this person has not done that, that would be the argument that therefore there's a breach of that duty and you're one of the people in that complex and therefore uh, you were damaged as a result of that breach of duty. Uh, I mean, that's an argument. You know what? I'd send a letter or try to contact the landlord directly, get the name of the employee that's not helping you out, because maybe the landlord, the owner of the building, the owner of that corporation or whatever that, that holds those uh, your, your apartment would want to hear that there's somebody working on payroll that's not doing what they're supposed to do. Right. I think they're trying to cover up with some for somebody. Well, because we have a we have a nutty neighbor, and uh, everybody seems to be afraid of him, even the police. Wow. Uh, but I, I thank I thank you guys, and it's a great show. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. All right. I just I was just curious about that. Seems like uh, he's up against the clock because they don't keep those videos forever, do they? Well, it all depends. I mean, it depends on what kind of video system you have. It depends mm-hmm. on what you, I don't know that there's any regulations once you have a security camera as to how long you keep those videos. If he's still listening, uh, I would suggest to you, sir, that you, in writing, indicate that you want that video preserved. And the reason is that if you eventually have a case and and the landlord has destroyed the video, uh, you would have an argument that... Uh, uh, that uh, there should be damages as a result. Exculpatory of material. You know what? I hate to say this, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had occasions where I've had to subpoena video, mm-hmm. you know, and and I've they, they've come back saying, you know what, that camera's just there to to kind of uh, uh, prevent I know. any kind of activity. Well, we, don't, we don't record anything on it. That sounds like I've been watching too much Law & Order because I've seen that happen to them many a time. Yeah, that's you know? happening, right. <laughs> and if, if that's the case, you might be SOL. Wow. That's sure out of luck for radio purposes. Right. Anyway, no, how- <laughs> one, one other thing I might mention to him. If he can show that this type of thing has been happening. Oh, sure. Cars have been damaged and therefore the landlord's aware of this going on. That would be a further argument that the landlord has breached a duty by not doing something to prevent it. What about that nutty neighbor? Is that possible? I mean, if you've got a pattern of behavior, somebody. Anyway, I'll tell you what. Hold that thought. We better take that bottom of the hour break. Take a look at the headlines. See what's going on in the world. And welcome back to Legally Speaking. I'm Mo Ray for Ron Verb, and we are answering, well, actually, lawyers are answering your legal questions. And I'm joined in the studio by Carl Moses and Mark DeVecchio, and they are with Beatrice Kopp and Harshman. And uh, you can join the conversation at 330-729-9977. Anything, gentlemen? I mean, we just have... Well, just as an extension on that last conversation, um, I know of several cases where a a landlord who has been aware of people being attacked in the parking lot uh, physically and injured has not done enough to satisfy the duty to protect because he's been aware of this happening and not doing anything and, and that has been a basis for uh, for a personal injury suit. Yes. And just in case somebody's just tuning in, my question before the break was uh, the, the caller had mentioned something about just indirectly a nutty neighbor in the complex who had a history of bizarre behavior. So I was wondering if there and in this way that might that could possibly tie into such a case. Well, if you could 
show that uh, that that's connected to the damage of the cars okay. in some way. In other words, you can't just snap your finger and say automatically uh, that's going to be uh, sufficient. Uh, it's a matter of proving these things, and you have to have the facts to back them up. Right? And I think the reason he might be having a tough time getting the video is because maybe those video cameras are just a deterrent, and maybe they don't record anything. Wow. Who knows? Yeah, fascinating. True. Well, on we go. Uh, let's see who's waited the longest. Jim is up next, and he's got a question. Hello, Jim. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi, Hello. Jim. Hello. I have a question for you. I, I was... Uh, very foolish when I was a young man in 1986. And I was hanging around with some knuckleheads with drugs. We all got arrested. I got charged with three felonies. One for sales, one for possession, and one for conspiracy. I was sentenced to 11 and a half to 23 months and then three years probation after the fact. I uh, got out after 11 months. I never had any issues while I was in prison. I had never had any issues after the fact. And here we are at this point in my life. I would like to see if I could get my rights back for firearms because I'm told I'm not allowed to have them because of the felony. I just want to get an opinion from attorneys as to I've got all the paperwork to do this, but I don't have the money to. I, I just can't afford the attorneys I've called in my hometown in Erie. So, you guys' thoughts. How, how do I go about this by myself? Can I? Should I? What are my chances? You're in Pennsylvania? Yeah, sir. Let me comment. There, There is a law that has just been passed very recently in Pennsylvania. I think it's been passed. I don't think they're just talking it, about it. it. It was, but I've not looked at it yet, and I was curious if that was going to have anything to do with my case, any bearing. Well, it, it's possible it would, because I think it has to do with expungement, that is, wiping out uh, past uh, uh, criminal offenses uh, for which you were convicted. However, uh, when I read the, the summary of it very quickly, it, it relates mainly, I think, to misdemeanors, uh, though it could amount to discretion by the court. You ought to Google it, and then you can read it in detail. You know, and I, I agree with Carl. I think it starts with you filing a motion to expunge your criminal record, okay? Do you understand? Once your record is sealed, you file a motion. Now, if you have only have that one, I mean, you have, we're charged with multiple crimes, but they all stem from the same circumstance. If that is your only conviction on your record, and you've pretty much lived the rest of your life without incident, I would say you'd be a wonderful candidate to get your, your uh, charges, your conviction expunged. Once it's been set aside or expunged, and you've been essentially pardoned, you have your, your civil rights restored, you're not considered convicted anymore, and therefore I don't know that you'd be prohibited from owning a gun. Yeah, the uh, the import behind the import behind this law is to give people uh, an opportunity to get jobs uh, because it's very difficult if you have a criminal record uh, to get an oh, employer I, to hire I know you. For yes. a few years there, after the fact, it was uh, it was extremely hard. But uh, a, a lot of employers stop at the ten year mark. If you weren't convicted of a crime in the last 10 years, they don't want to know about it at this point. 
and that has allowed me to move forward in the job search and and, and get a good job. But as far as as uh, the other goes, I just needed a little bit of advice. But you you think I I would be a good candidate for that? You'd be a good candidate for expungement. As far as whether or not you'd get your gun rights back, I can't say for certain. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, I thank you so much. You have a great afternoon. Thank great you. Good show. luck, Jim. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, usually I didn't hear the first part of that. I was distracted for a minute. But did he say that he was a minor when this occurred? No, he just okay. said 1986. Okay, because when I hear expungement, I usually think of something with uh, juveniles or something, but not necessarily. That That's right. that's the term used for adults. Even though I was a juvenile in 1986, doesn't mean everyone was. Okay. <laughs> well, you're still looking good, sir. Right. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move it right along, and up next is uh, J.D. He's got a question for you. Go ahead. Hi, good afternoon, gentlemen. Hi, J.D. Hello. Hello. My question is, I, I'm a business owner in town, and I've had some incidents. Uh, to make it simple, I own a car wash. Um, my question is, I have security cameras, and if I see somebody doing something they shouldn't be, for instance, dumping trash in a dumpster or writing on a piece of my equipment, nice. do I have any way to find that person other than a police report? You're saying if you capture if you capture someone's image on a video camera breaking the law, whether it's vandalizing or improper dumping, yes, can you go after that? I mean, that is evidence as far as whatever you do next. You could take the video to the prosecutor if you have a name. You could, or you could sue civilly for the extra uh, cost for the trash or the to repair the uh, vandalism. Well, specifically, how would I find the name if I only have a? license plate other than a police report is that, is that the only way no, well you could could you go to the bmv and have the i don't know if you have the uh, see if you could run yeah, the plate I called bmv they said no i thought they might you show, if yeah you, if yeah you, I, which i understood go I to the prosecutor yeah, if you show the police uh they may recognize the person the police may recognize the person yeah. number one and, and they're and if it's serious enough i've been reading lately that uh in this day and age, there can be a recreation of uh, of names and identities just by showing somebody a photo, and and they go into a database, and they. You're can, talking about facial rec- recognition. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I don't know how the, common the, that is. The, the police I mean, are, are employed to protect and serve. If you bring them evidence that your rights have been violated, they have a duty to protect and serve. So okay. if you have the license plate of a car that committed a crime, they should look into it. I mean, um, at the very least, they could run the plate, maybe send us, uh, put them on notice that uh, they're looking into this and try to help you out. Yeah, definitely. I wasn't sure since it's private property. No, definitely. Mark's, Mark's correct. I didn't hear you say that you had the license plate oh, uh, yes, number. Sir. Well, certainly, I think the police would uh, be interested in that. I mean, that even though it's private property, uh, it's a it's a crime uh, directed to your private property. Yeah, it's vandalized. Sure. You can't vandalize even if it's private property. Sure. Right. Okay. I hope that right. works out for you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Okay. Good luck. Okay. Three three zero seven two nine 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 seven seven. Up next is Jim. He's got a question as well. Jim. Uh, 
Okay, I guess he's not answer. I mean, uh, I don't know what that what was. What was that? Was that your voice? Yeah, that was me. It kind of <laughs> shocked me, too. I think he was just holding on. Or, then, or maybe he stepped away from the phone. Is there know. that much of a delay on this? <laughs> well, now you know. All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you have a question. maybe you have a question, Mo. <laughs> no, a question for me. Yes, a question for you. Yeah, I got you. No, that, that was a little disconcerting. I was like, wait a minute. I think I know that. Jim, voice. if something messed up over there, call us back. Yes, at 330-729-9977. And now... Um, but uh, speaking of, you know, by the way, I just since we're kind of between calls right now, uh, legally, uh, as far as uh, this technology that is advancing with the uh, facial recognition and all that, uh, is the law keeping up with this? That that if you're in a public place, your face comes up and they, oh, there, you know, you see it in the movies and all that. But I don't know how real some of this stuff is yet. Uh, you're balancing your right to to your privacy against the public interest in knowing who you are in the event you do something wrong? I, I, I don't know. I, to give you an example. Several years ago, we, we were in Washington, D.C., and I arranged that we got tickets to a Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court case. And it happened to be a case from California where a plaintiff uh, who filed the suit used a cell phone provided by the employer to uh, rendezvous with another employee, a female, and uh, obviously that wasn't part of his job, and he was fired. And so he sued, saying that was an invasion of his privacy using that cell phone. Well, dial forward to the U.S. Supreme Court case. Right. We're standing in line right outside the U.S. Marshal's office because he's the one who shows us into the courtroom. And it's funny, my wife... Uh, looked at this one person in line and uh, remarked how good-looking this person was. Mm-hmm. He happened to be the plaintiff standing <laughs> in line. At any rate, long story short, we go into the courtroom and uh, hear this case, and it's amazing that the justices, U.S. Uh, Supreme Court justices, were not familiar with the technology of that cell phone. Now, about what year are we talking, well, roughly? maybe maybe three or four years ago, wow. something like that. Okay. So cell phones were certainly in vogue at mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. But it, that's an example. I mean, uh, the courts are not always right up to date on this stuff. Well, that's why I asked, because yeah. it was kind of embarrassing watching uh, the con- uh, congressmen and senators try to interview Mark Zuckerberg about Facebook a few weeks ago, because you could tell they didn't know what the heck they were right. talking about. But uh, I'll tell you what... Uh, Going back to an earlier caller, the guy that called about his conviction, his felony conviction, the reason I said that that he's a good candidate for an expungement is I was assuming he only had that one conviction. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, understand there are certain felonies or crimes that once convicted, you are forever barred from owning a gun, and those include crimes of violence, domestic violence, things of that nature. makes Makes sense to me. Absolutely. But we'll go ahead. Okay. 330-729-9977. Jim is back. So hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hey, Jim. Good afternoon. Hey, I'm from Pennsylvania, and my question is, uh, a friend of mine passed away, and his lawyer was the executor of the wheel, and I was named, if he couldn't do it, then it was me. Well, his lawyer was sick at the time, and I couldn't get the paperwork done with him. Now the lawyer's passed away. What's my next option? 
Well, is it still, is the estate still open? Yes, sir. Well, if you're the, uh, the, the uh, substitute or the alternate, then I would think you'd be then in charge of the estate. In other right, words, so to have, have to file paperwork to the court for that. Well, I, I think maybe it depends on. I'm I'm just thinking out loud. I don't do this, but it's the will. Yeah. If the will says that I name such and such person as the executor, but if that person is unable, then this person. So I think you would. Uh, I, maybe maybe. You're probably going to need some document showing that the first choice as the executor is deceased. I mean, you may need a certified copy of the death certificate or something showing that the first uh, choice of the executor is no longer with us and unable to fulfill his duties as an executor. That's a good point because the Register of Wills issues what's called a short certificate which names the executor as being the person who's going to administer the estate. And so, therefore, if you're not on that, and that, that short certificate has to be used or is used for various purposes, such as maybe uh, getting into a safety deposit box or uh, changing the title or selling property or whatever. So Mark's right. I think uh, you've got to get something from the court indicating that you're now the executor of the estate. But it, it's kind of hard to get a death certificate if you're not a relative. Mm. Well, I've, I've been to Newcastle many times just over this one one death of. of maybe my you could. Maybe you could. Uh, was it in the paper in the obituary section? Um, maybe you could. I didn't read it in there, but I'm sure it was. Well, it was a lawyer from. Yeah, there you go. Area, then, then yeah. I would start there and just show the court that he was. You have reason, a reasonable suspicion he is unable to perform his duties as an executor due to the fact that you believe he's passed on, as evidenced by Exhibit A, a copy of the obituary as it okay. appeared in your newspaper on this date. I would hey, what, what department did you tell me to go to? Uh, say that again, please. What department? What, what department did you tell me to go to at the courthouse? Oh, the, the Register of Wills office. Of yeah, Wills. Okay. it's a combination clerk of courts, Register of Wills. Are you, ta- right. are you talking about the Mercer County Court? No, Franklin. Well, I don't know what it's termed in Franklin. Sometimes they change the terminology. It's probably called the clerk's office or, or, or the Register of Wills. All right. I, I got it. So one, one more quick thing. How much does it cost to get something expensive nowadays? Um, well, if you're asking, it's it's reasonable. It's not a very expensive. It's it, it's kind of a one-time deal. You file it with the court and the judge who sentenced you. They will issue an order to search the records of BCI, FBI, other other states, other counties to determine if there's any other convictions. And once that all comes back, the judge will set it for a hearing, and you go before the judge saying, "Your Honor, that nothing has come up on my client." Uh, he's done all. He's complied with everything. He's been a law-abiding citizen. He has no other records, no other information from any other law enforcement agency, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Under a thousand? Uh, probably. Probably. Probably close. Probably. Close. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. I just wanted to correct something. I said just a comment I made about the uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg situation. That was there were no representatives involved. It was strictly senators. So I just want to. I know that's I'm I'm you know splitting hairs, but oh, I, I just gotcha. don't like to put out inaccurate information. But um, 
anyway, no, these are scary times, though. This is, I was, you know, of course, uh, other countries are different than here. I was seeing in China, they've already got these cameras everywhere. And uh, Chinese laws are a lot different when mm-hmm. uh, the ball, when, when the young ball uh, UCLA basketball player got in trouble. I looked into that and mm-hmm. did some research on that. And uh, their conviction rates in China, they, they take their criminal law very serious in China. Oh, it's the last place I'd want to be doing Absolutely. something wrong. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. May, well, maybe. I'm going to say Iran maybe above. Yeah, that's true, right. But anyway, let's. Uh, well, Ron's got a question for you. So, Ron Verb? I uh, don't think so. All right. <laughs> Hello, Ron. Hi, how you doing? I want to ask a question. How much would it cost on average to get someone declared incompetent? I don't think you could really answer that question. Uh, Understand lawyers charge by the hour. Um, so you pay an hourly rate. It depends on how long we have to work. But when you talk about getting declared incompetent, you're talking about probate court. So um, you, uh, you would have to file a motion with, and, and have the, that person's doctor testify as, or get a statement, a physician's okay. narrative statement, yeah. stating whether or not the person's competent, and then they'll typically interview well, my, my, my daughter uh, is autistic and she's 24 and we did an estate plan with a specialized attorney and he's out of Cleveland but he said he could do it but it cost more for him to travel here unless there was someone local that would do it and uh, you know he said to make medical decisions for her in the future so the purpose is what getting a guardianship apparently uh, yeah whatever you call it because she's technically an adult now uh, and we live in Trumbull County, Ohio, but we need to be able to make medical decisions for her if things came to that. I mean, she's she's highly functioning, but she can't live on her own. Well, is she drive. is she capable of signing a durable power of attorney or a living will? Is she competent to understand the oh, contents of that? Ooh, that's a tough one. She she works. Uh, she uh, you know, a special agency takes her to work at a nursing home All right, where then, she washes this and that food. But y- y- she doesn't understand intricacies of stuff. She she would just agree to whatever. Right. No. Then then you need to get her declared your ward. You you yeah. need and and you would file. They have certain uh, uh, requests that you would file in order to have someone to have guardianship over someone, their person, their finances, their medical decisions. Right. So you definitely, I would pursue that. in court, or can the attorney do it all in court? I'm sorry, I missed that question. What do did we you have s- to appear in court too, or does just the attorney appear in court? No, probably, probably whoever wants to be appointed as the guardian is going to have to appear in court. Okay. Judge is going to and, want to make sure that you're right. going to be uh, a proper yeah. person to handle it. And understand the uh, responsibility that it goes along with what you're requesting the court to do for you. And there, right, there are two different types of guardianship, basically. Guardianship of the person, guardianship of the estate, which means of the finances and so forth. So, be of the person, yeah. So you, you, may, you may want uh, to be the guardian of both or one or the other. Just depends. Okay. All right. Thank Good you. luck, sir. You're welcome. Thank All you. Right. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe time to get one more in real quick at 330-729-9977. That is 330. I think we broke a record for calls that we took on and answered legal questions tonight. What do you think? I think so. I think so. <laughs> we need one more call with a legal question to break our record. It might have had to do with your charismatic host. I'm not sure, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Mo. Absolutely. You're moving things around. I got to tell Verb. 
but it is it's always good to see you guys i will say thank that you. thank you and, good I, to be and here. believe it or not i have learned something and wait a minute we might have one more coming so, all right but i have learned a couple of things tonight so uh always a pleasure gentlemen oh that was nope just a tease okay but um anyway so once more you, you we can catch you on tv tomorrow Mark. tomorrow wfmj the morning show i will be talking about the ohio protest laws and how they affect you when you would like to protest, but I will not say that I'm for it or against it. Okay. Which, and as I said, I participated in a protest downtown last week at the, uh, uh, I'll even say it was against the, uh, the immigration policies yeah, and stuff. Sure. But at Federal Plaza, and, I, and uh, but it was very well handled. Nobody bothered us, bothered us. And I believe that we do have a right. I mean, the Constitution gives us that right to assemble, to, to peacefully protest. Right. But there's a time and a place for everything. So that's that's all I would say. I believe in that right. Mm-hmm. You have the right to do it. Just but, pick your spot. And you're- Well, I just didn't mean, didn't mean to interrupt you. But as that other caller alluded to, I think these people who just step out in the middle of the street at any given moment, they don't have a permit to do that. And right. they are endangering themselves and other people by doing that and the so, person that would hit them with their car right is is not helping matters at all right so there's a lot going on there but no i do uh yeah these are very tense times it almost as far as me you know you know you're just a tad older than me carl but to me this er- this era is almost we're almost like when i was a kid in the 60s i mean going back 50 years ago but it in some ways, I don't remember so many protests and stuff going on until uh, recently. Well, just what do you think? In the '60s, they were sending people to Vietnam. Oh yeah, they were sending. You know, so I think some of the things they were protesting. Well, and civil rights. Yeah, I, I, right. I think one of the problems in this country is that ever since the draft was stopped. Uh, and there is no substitute to say that people are required to serve in the government, not necessarily militarily, but a government type of service, that I think that's been a real problem because you, I'm sure, have seen interviews of people on the street where they've been asked questions. Who was George Washington? Who was this person? People just are not very interested in government and in governing and they become lazy, I think, generally, and I think that's a real problem in this country. I absolutely agree, so. and I, you know, you're alluding to the old jaywalking segments on the old Jay Leno show, and yes. I, and and you know, and this is what I've said many times on my show. I feel like with all the knowledge we have, with all the knowledge you can hold in the palm of your hand with a smartphone, we are becoming increasingly dumb. I mean, you know, you've heard the expression "dumbing down America," and some people they're just so they're so narrowly focused that you know they could probably tell you all about this particular topic, but they don't they're not even interested in hearing about anything else. Or I had a person the other day tell me, you know, she's always talking about who she votes for and all that. Oh, but I don't watch the news. I'm going, well, how do you know who stands for what or what happened? It just it's fascinating. But right out of high school, two years, in my opinion, government service, like in Israel. Yes. <laughs> Only they go into the military. Yeah. I don't know that they have a choice. But, yeah. uh, Mandatory. Everybody should serve. You sound like Lou DeVecchio. <laughs> you know what? I think it's a good idea, though. I mean, maybe not military, but as you said, maybe some civilian service. But, hey, you got to be somewhere. you got to yeah. see what this means to you. And and, sure. and I do believe we're, we're – there's. I don't know if they're even teaching civics anymore when I listen to some people talk. Because right. it's like this is what I feel or it ought to be this way. Right. And I'm thinking, well, what's the law say? You ought to – you know? If they're getting their law, their legal information, not from you fine people, but from, as I said, watching Law and Order. <laughs> right? <laughs> but this is where we are. 
Uh, well, I'll give it out one more time. Almost out of time. Okay, 330-729-9977 if you have any legal questions. Uh, you got something, Dave? Oh, okay. <laughs> Dave got nothing. Thank you. Well, we are, sure, Mo. we are done. Thanks, Mo. Thank you.